This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So, man, you know, I was 7-7 seven seven against the spread. Not a, great, not a great week. Not terrible, but just whatever. And I'm trying to dig out of this hole. But my fantasy teams are killing it. And it's so weird because, I don't know, I feel like the last couple of years I've been way more focused on handicapping, survivor. And, I, of course, fantasy I'm into, but it's sort of like I just do the things you're supposed to do. I do the waiver wire every week, set my lineup as best I can, make pickups, you know, just try to figure it out. And they are killing it. I was 5-0 and in my five leagues last week. I'm six and zero, 30th overall in the league that we're in together. I'm four and two in the other one, and that's despite losing my number one overall pick, Saquon Barkley, for most of the year. And it's just, I don't know. I I should be happy about it, and I'm a little happy about it, but I'm still pissed that I'm doing badly against the spread. I was going to say this podcast works better when we are complaining because uh, yeah, I went nine and five, I think, against spread last week, and. Had a really good fantasy week as well, despite all the shares of OJ Howard continuing in my my lineup. Good thing the one a couple of these I backed them up with Will Disley, but um, that that frustration aside, I, I had a pretty good week myself. Uh, you're killing it though in the beat Chris List one. I mean, you kind of undersold undersold it there. You you even emailed me at one point. You were what sixth overall or even yeah, higher. It was, a little, it was a little bit deceptive though because I have a lot of Bucks and Panthers, and so that game I had basically had half my week done. Just from and I had Brady on the Thursday night. Just from Thursday and Saturday, half my scoring was done, more than half. So I had like an extra week in the books over most teams. So I was sixth overall at that point. I think I'm thirtieth now. It's not like baseball though; it doesn't really matter, right? Because you just get into that playoffs and fourteen to sixteen if you get there, and then it's just a matter of who gets hot fourteen to sixteen. It doesn't really help you that much to be killing it now. What's funny is you're in second place in that same league, by the way. Yeah, no, I was just going to go there. That's yes, we're both doing well. In a second, I could be totally wrong, list, but I thought they averaged out your score, so you do have an inherent advantage those three weeks. You do, but let's say so. Let's say you know I average like you know I don't know one seventy a week or whatever it is, and then you're in the playoffs. You, you'd have to average at least like one sixty or something like that. So that's just one of the weeks. So basically, it's the three weeks. I think the way it works is it's four, it's the NFFC we're talking about. Weeks 14 through 16, they, they add your three scores. And I think maybe there's a fourth score, which is your season-long average that gets added in also. Okay. All right. Right. Yes. So, so you're saying that, that that won't make as big of an impact because it's still going to come down to the final those final three. It's going to be massive. 
you get a little bit of a head start, right? So let's say I'm average. I don't even know. I'm just making up these numbers. Let's say I'm averaging 170 and you're averaging 162 or something like that. You know, by the time right. I get there right now, I'm 90 points ahead of you. So it's six weeks. So I'm averaging, you know, 90 divided by six, like 15 more a week than you. So I would have right. an extra 15 points. I guess that's something, right? That's yeah, like, that definitely matters. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, that's for something. sure. Yeah, if you kept that pace. Yeah. If um, I kept yeah, it up. I'm second. I'm second in that one, despite having an F- OJ Howard and uh, Damian Williams. But uh, yeah, no, we're close in that one, doing well. Good, uh, good to hear that you're you're dominating in all yours. But uh, also good to hear that you're still you remember the losses more than the wins, and still frustrated by this, uh, you know, not so great against the spread. What we do it? What we do in the super contest? Three and three two. and two. I mean, the Falcons lost. That was tough because. I mean, they miss an extra point. I, probably the Cardinals would. Have, there was like two minutes left, and the Cardinals would have driven down and kicked a winning field goal. But it goes to OT. Good chance to cover there. There were a bunch of calls that went against them. A bunch of reviews that were like ridiculous. And the other one we lost was the Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, I was yeah. with you on that. The Eagles. I mean, I watched the game. They're down twenty-four-three. They made it twenty-four to twenty, and that was despite going four and out on one series. And then also faking a field goal that didn't work. So they had two extra stops and they were still down four, but they just couldn't, they just, you know, they, they, the dam broke and that was it. So, you know, it was a bad pick. They lost, I mean, the Vikings were in control most of the game, but it wasn't like outclassed or anything. They could easily, if those teams played again, the line would probably be the same. Yeah, those backup DBs just getting so roasted by just the most obvious regression candidate, Diggs. It was annoying. I thought the line would get to, to Cousins a little quicker. But um, uh, speaking of before actually the same subject, the B. Chris List one, is that the Mike Doria that I see in an email leading one of the, the Yes, deals? yes, Doria is first <laughs> in one of that. I remember that guy that back is. in the day won a bunch of money with, with like the Moss and Brady combo, right? Well, he's a huge Patriots homer, so he, I, I guarantee he has the Patriots defense. Right? That's one thing. <laughs> and Brady's been pretty good. Edelman's been decent, too. Oh, that's telling me and the, and the one, too, that I'm in with you, the V. Chris List. Believe me, the Patriots, D. Yeah, that's definitely oh, Okay, helped. I was wondering who had them because I'm, you know, I'm in first. And I don't have them. Most, most of the teams that have them are doing pretty well. But, uh, yeah, so the year that he won, like, 50K in some national contest, it wasn't the NFFC. It might have been before the NFFC existed. He no. uh, he drafted Brady, who was remember Brady used to throw like twenty six touchdowns a year in the early Super Bowl run. He wasn't a big fantasy guy; he was okay, but they were a defensive running team. So he got Brady, and he got Welker and Moss. And Welker caught like one hundred and fifteen passes, and Moss, you know, had twenty three touchdowns, set the record. And those guys were all like seventh, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. You know, those those right. are not even his top picks. So he got his first four or five picks who obviously did well also. And then he had Moss, Welker and Brady. So of course he won. Yeah. He didn't even need to hit on. He just had to have like a 50% rate. If you're hitting right, on just some decent early picks, right? When yeah. you have yeah. 50 touchdowns, 23 touchdowns, yeah. and then 112 catches. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So he's doing it again. And I absolutely saw that. And I wanted to ask you if that be Mike Doria balling again and my that's, email that's, leading whatever. That's Doria, whatever yeah. Oh, nice. And you know that, man. you know that Rotowire's Todd Zola won that Justin Mason league, that whole thing. I don't know. I don't know if you're in that, but he won that whole thing. And the year before it was Clay Link who won the whole yes, thing. Sir, I only Clay existed did. twice, yeah. two years. And there's like, I don't know, 500 people. I don't know how many people are in it. It's a lot. And both times it was Rotowire guys. So 
I didn't know that Zola won it this year. Actually, I didn't didn't realize. Yeah, it. Zola nice. won it. Represent. So represent. Nice. Um, so one other thing I want to ask you about is I, I yes I did well against the spread in my fantasy teams, but I'm out in my home league survivor frustrated. I'm in one with the one strike still, but I was I told you here you know I was didn't have many good options. I debated the Packers. And the Chiefs ended up going to the Chiefs, even though we liked the Texans against the spread. And that just was not surprising at all. And it made it extra frustrating to watch Monday night the Packers so luckily get through because that made me less frustrated. I'm like, oh, either decision. You know, I just you continue to think like that. I'm sure that you do in your mind as well. So what do you think in the Survivor this week? Because uh, I do. I am alive in another one. It's a really interesting week with like the, assuming the Patriots are gone. Bills and like my 49ers. I think it's a really interesting decision. So I think you fade the Bills, and it's it's close. I did the math. It's not like huge disparity. The Bills are like 70% owned against the Dolphins, and the Niners are 22% owned. And when you do the math based on the Vegas numbers and the you know those numbers, the polling numbers on officefootballpools.com, 49ers, there's a little bit more bang for your buck there. Obviously, the Bills are more likely to win, but should the Bills lose, 70% of your pool is dead, and that is just massive. So the disparity and the added risk you use by taking the Niners on an early body clock, road, cross-country game, easy to overlook the Redskins with missing two offensive linemen, the added risk you're taking from that is more than offset by the added payoff you would get if the Bills somehow lost to the Dolphins. Yeah, I penciled in the Bills before even, even before the math, and I you had me... You know, that's definitely convincing, but also the Fitzpatrick. I, maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but that actually might be the tiebreaker for me also, the decision and to switch off, off the bills there. But, um, yeah, I naturally thought the Niners covered the spread, and, the, and I, you know, that's a lot of points for the bills. So that's a convincing argument, though, when you look at the math, too. But uh, definitely a diff- an interesting one this deep in the season. Um, another thing I mean, I One thing ask, I just want to say about survivors, people don't understand, like, it's not about surviving. It's about surviving while other people die. If you all, if if it's just a chalky year and the obvious pick each week wins, and we're both in week eleven, we're like, oh, we're in week eleven. But everybody's alive. The thirty people who started your pool. There's twenty five alive in week eleven. You haven't made shit. Oh, I've made it to week eleven. No, you've made it to the final twenty five. That's how you have to look at Survivor. How much equity do you have? How many people are left with you? So if you're in week six and there's only five people out of thirty left, that's way better than being in week eleven when there's twenty five people because you've got to wait. You've got a one in five chance to win. In week 11 with 25, you got a 1 in 25 chance to win. So you got to look for a path where, how do I advance while other people don't? Well, if 70% of the people are on one team, that's a way you can advance. And if they drop out, then your, your share of the pool, of all the money that's in the pool, got a lot bigger if the Bills lose. So a lot of people don't realize. They think, oh, well, if I'm taking these riskier teams, I won't make it as far. Yeah, who cares how far you make it? You want to have the fewest people left, not the furthest weeks into the season. And do you behave the same in a, in a pool that's 3,000 people versus a pool that's 30 people? Yeah, it's all the same, right? I mean, you just want to get down to the smallest percentage of the pool possible. Getting to week 11 doesn't do any good if there's 2,000 people left. It doesn't help you. You still have a 1 in 2,000 chance to win. Just count the number of people left. That, that's yeah, your success. Uh, you know, I just feel pool. like naturally it feels like you should be, maybe it's okay to play it safer with fewer people in, in the pools, but maybe that doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any difference. It's it just the percent, it's a portion of people in the pool. I mean, if you knew there were like total morons in your pool, yeah, you might want to just play it safe and let them kill themselves, you know, but all things being equal in terms of skill level, it is safer to take the bills. It's riskier to lose now, but it's safer to win your pool. There's, you know, short-term risk doesn't matter. It either, you either win your pool or you don't. You either have a chop or a win or you don't. 
And so it doesn't really matter. The idea that you're playing it safe and surviving is when there's 70 people, 70% of the pool on that same team, you're not playing it safe. It's still a huge long shot that you're going to win. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was just counterpoint thinking you got to go contrarian to win a bigger one. But, um, but yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> so I was going to ask you about the Raiders before I even noticed you did like a poll about Gruden McVay, which by the way, Gruden's killing. You said who's done a better job coaching this year, right? And Gruden's killing the McVay. Yeah, like 90-10, the split in the pool, in the poll. That's funny. That's funny. Um, so I was thinking that it's, it's, it's absolutely possible to like have both things be true, that they make some like crazy – decisions like in the front office and like that Colin Farrell guy they drive. I know that's not really his name drafted over, you know, Josh Allen has like twice as many pressures already. And just like, I was looking at PFF grades, like as everyone said, Josh Allen's doing a million times better. Trent Brown, maybe they couldn't have seen the domestic violence stuff or whatever, but that contract looked crazy, but him also doing a good job coaching. Those can both be true. You know, those, those can be errors yet him also, and him make the funny comments yet him also doing a good product on the field because yeah, I mean, I, I know that your guy, P, uh, uh, Rufus, you know, said that he was, we called him as one of his best bets. Was it last week or was it the one? The Raiders, yeah. Bears? Yeah, and I was uh, the only one on them. It looked like in stat picks. Um, yeah, and again, this week I liked him. I know you like the, the Packers. So I think both those things can be true, I guess is my point. Is I think he can be the kind of a, make these doofus decisions. And yet I fully admit that, wow, I was wrong. You know, Gruden, the coach, is not a disaster. And in fact, might be a plus. I mean, the guy's, he's won a Super Bowl. He took the Raiders, who were a dead franchise, in the playoffs a couple of times, and now he's got these terrible Raiders at three and two. How can this now, guy Antonio not be Antonio Brown, too. I mean, that is a without big their deal main guy. guy. And also, I'll say this, the Cleland Farrell, we love his tape, and I linked to that in the uh, Real Man Wood account earlier. Maybe that's a bad pick, but maybe people call it a bad pick because it was not consensus, right? Like no one said like the Dwayne Haskins pick was a bad pick when the Redskins made it. Cause it was like consensus. He was like actually fell further than he was supposed to. The giants were supposed to take him at six. So when the Redskins got him later and was like, Oh, that's a good pick. Now, if he, if even if he's terrible, they're never going to slag the Redskins for that because they're going to say, well, I mean, everybody thought he was the second best quarterback in the class, but what happens when you go with a guy that you like that's out, you know, when you reach and the guy fails, people give you a hard time. They're, oh, you're an idiot. That's an idiotic move. Whereas if a lot of, but my point is a lot of draft picks fail, even when they're totally, you know, ahead of ADP. Do you know what I mean? When you're getting a good ADP deal, they still fail. So the idea that they failed and it's a guy that, you know, oh, you didn't do the obvious, but I'm going to give you the counterpoint is maybe that was a bad pick and that was his, you know, weird intuition, him and Mayock. But what if, you know, like Gettleman getting Daniel Jones, which seemed like an oddball pick when Haskins was there, maybe you have to kind of go outside the box to get some of the better picks and you're going to miss on a bunch of them, but maybe it doesn't matter how many times you miss as long as you hit big on the right ones. Like the Patriots drafts have not been great. A lot of them, they made a lot of, you know, Aaron Dobson and Chad Jackson, and they had a lot of these like receivers that were busts and they took Sony Michelle in the first round it's over Nick Chubb. But they got Brady in the sixth, you know, like that, that makes up for like 50 bad picks. And maybe that's like the luckiest thing of all. But as Nassim Taleb quote, but it's like, you don't, it's not how often you're right. It's just, are you right on the big stuff? So I think sometimes we, I'm not saying that's totally, that was a good, totally. good pick, but like, it's like, well, yeah, a, he's going, you know, off of his own intuition, which is going to expose you to more risk right or wrong. And maybe you need to go off your own intuition to hit big. Like maybe there's a better chance of hitting big doing that. And secondly, like you got to look at the bigger picture. Like instead of just like, okay, Pharrell was a, was a bad pick. 
dating back to Hayward Bay and Mitchell and even last year, Colton Miller, whatever was the, it's kind of a trend with them. And I'm just pointing out directly that Josh Allen was the one guy that everyone said was obvious. And he's just through whatever seven weeks is definitely outproducing him. But having said that, this is actually perfect to what I was going to bring up anyway, to, to go with your point. They have this guy that they got at the end of the fourth round named Foster Moreau, um, I'm not going to call him George Kittle yet, but he could be that kind of version of um, this tight end. I know they have Darren Waller doing well, but if you're in a dynasty fantasy league or even a deep league, pick that guy up. It appears if uh, he might have hit a home run actually there. I know that's crazy to say at this point, but like if you read the buzz, they actually might have done exactly what you're saying uh, with this guy, Foster Moreau. So I'm actually here to give you props and John Gruden props and not not talk shit. So the yeah. the Raiders no, are and, and, and I mean, not, I'm not, not trying to defend. I'm not saying he doesn't make stupid picks sometimes, but it's like you know give it a few years to pan out and maybe it'll still suck but better way to evaluate it there but uh, on the product this on the field product this year and the fact that i like leaving like las vegas and all that stuff too just they're they're prepared man i give them credit and i totally wrote them off as just a total you know that'd be a joke um you watching the baseball playoffs and you have any opinion on if the ball's no longer juiced okay so that what, i watched a little bit of last night's game and it's clearly not juiced anymore dd gregorius would hit a three-run home run and that shit just died at the warning track it's wild, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Okay, so this is, this is, I got a larger point about this, but I'm going to make a smaller point first, which is that, so you see the ump got concussed, got hit in the mask mm-hmm. a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. It took Screwed like, Severino up. it took like 20 minutes for them to get it going and they have extra umps there. And it's like, dude, who gives a shit which ump is where? Just get the new guy in. I've, you know, obviously feel bad for the guy got concussed, but he's out. So he's gone. Put another guy in and it should take 60 seconds for him to put on some pads and stuff. The fact that, Cole has to throw in the bullpen separately and then Severino sitting around waiting. That's ridiculous. I mean, how, I mean, get your shit together, man. I mean, there's injuries to umps once in a while, have a plan where the new dude comes in in three minutes or less. Why the hell are we all sitting around waiting for an ump? It's like the dumbest thing ever. I couldn't believe that. I was like, really? There's like a delay in the game because the ump just cart that dude's corpse out of there and get someone new. I don't understand it. How could you actually affect the product on the field? It, I, I, what possible reason could it take 20 minutes? No, that was crazy. That, uh, yeah, the Severino the really messed game. him up, right? It messed him up, right? Like, it's pretty simple. Like, he, he really screwed up his rhythm, it seemed like that. Um, well, I'm, not even saying, I'm, not even, I'm not even blaming him for Severino. I'm just saying, why? Okay, so that guy's hurt, so get him to the hospital. There's an extra guy in there. Have him... Jump, throw on the stuff and get behind the plate. It should take one minute. Well, I don't understand where there aren't robot ups anyway. It's silly. I just, I really don't understand that. I feel like that's going to be one of the things 10 years from now, we're going to be looking back and just absolutely laughing like black and white TV because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise. But so what are your thoughts on the home run then? The home runs and like the So this is, this is really a, a sickness that we have in society and it, it is infecting sports. I've talked about this. You know, the Federal Reserve will cut rates and keep the stock market afloat and basically transfer all this money to the class of asset holders from basically the working people because asset, there's more and more money in the system and it's got to go. And the people who have access to it own assets and they can't consume more than they're already consuming. So they just buy more assets and the assets go up. And when the market maybe should go down or companies that are weak should crash, there's more money pumped in. So they get pumped up and it's a fake economy. Like we're just propping up the stock market. We're not letting the corrections happen when they're supposed to happen. We didn't let the banks fail. We're not letting the market correct. And now it's trickling into sports, right? Like you have the refs deciding who's going to win the game with all these flags. And then baseball, we're just like, Oh, you juice the baseball. Oh, you reduce the baseball. 
we're just waiting for the Fed to tell us what the stocks are worth. And now we're waiting for the referees to tell us what happened in the game. And now we're waiting for baseball to tell us what kind of game we're going to be watching, how many home runs are going to be hit. Imagine if you watch a Monday night game live list, you'd be going crazy saying this. Anyway, continue. Go ahead. Oh yeah, the the Monday night game was was terrible. Although I had the Packers, so I was happy, but I just wish they let uh, Jamal Williams score, and he wasn't so smart to like kneel down at the one. But it's just it, this is ridiculous. Like we're sitting here, and like Major League Baseball is switching up the baseballs between the regular season and the playoffs. I can't even believe that's happening. Like one of the things you know in a fantasy league or anything else. You don't change the rules midstream. And this is the rules. I mean, your strategy, who you would start, who's even good, changes based on the ball. And it's being dictated to us from a central authority. I don't know why it's happening at all these different levels of society, but it's like this centralized control. Actually, I think I do know why. I think that there's there's a huge push for decentralization, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. I just say Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. Most of the other ones are garbage. But there's, you know, Bitcoin is a decentralized currency and there's more decentralized web apps and social media has decentralized media. It's not like the news tells you the complete hacks in the mainstream media aren't, you know, they have some control, but they're losing control because they don't, they don't have the entire narrative. And I think in response to decentralization, the forces that have whatever power they have, they're holding on to it tight. And so I, I think there's sort of this reactionary thing where there's, you know, people who have some control over outcomes are, are exercising more than ever. And that's probably going to break at some point, but it's really something to behold. And it's, it's not good when it trickles into sports. No, yeah, I don't, it's very frustrating. How is it legal even with people gambling? How is that? Honestly, how is that legal with, with people if they're gambling? I don't know. There's something. Well, the games are fixed. I, I mean, I was saying this in my column, you know, it doesn't have to be fixed because Tim Donahue's betting on it, but you know, that's fixing a game, you know, for gambling profits. But if you're a ref and you decide that there's a holding call, you're going to fix the play and, and say what actually should happen rather than what did happen. Anytime there's a penalty, there's a fix. The ref's fixing a mistake mm-hmm. on the field, an error, a penalty, a foul. And if, if it happens enough, then the refs are fixing the game. There's a huge part of the game is fixed. I mean, it literally is fixed. It's a huge problem. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter whether the guy really did hold or not. Right. It's like at some point, just the ref announcing it is is the problem. Yeah. And still, I just don't know how it's legal to suddenly change the baseball and totally change the way the game is played all season long. But I'm not complaining too much as a Giants fan watching uh, the Dodgers go down, even though I know Kershaw is like supposedly the nicest guy off the field. And uh, man, I, li- I like Scherzer and Strasburg. It's funny the, the year after Harper, see them uh, cruise in. And then this Yankees Astros, I, who, who gets the break here? It's kind of going to be a bullpen day for both. seems like, so it seems kind of just perfect that they had to postpone a game. Are you, are, you, are you into that as a diehard Yankee fan? I know you live and breathe by them these days. Yeah. And I, I you know, I was watching, I don't like that Stanton, Stanton is such a broken man that he's always yeah. hurt. I mean, the- Francesca or whatever, like killed him for not playing, you know, Mike, Mike Francesca, I guess, killed him for, uh, for yeah, like Mike Francesca but, uh, yeah. is like in the worst shape. He's just like some sack, you know, I mean, he couldn't even suit up to like walk <laughs> down the street, but drinking I mean, diet soda all. I said he drinks diet soda all day. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's Stanton, they're paying him a lot of money and it's just get it together, man. Just get fucking healthy. It's annoying. And then obviously like if the power, I think Stanton and Judge are more valuable if the ball's not juiced because they're the ones who can really crush it out no matter what. And not having him. And then Batances being hurt, that kind of stupid. Like he got hurt celebrating after being out all year. And I don't really love this bullpen stuff. Like 
I guess Severino's not quite himself because he, he was out most of the year, but I want to see that guy go seven innings in the playoffs. You, know, yeah. you see Strasburg yeah. going seven innings. Like, yeah. You see Cole going seven innings. It's like, I, I don't want, like, it's, it's kind of annoying that all these starters are getting pulled in like, the third inning in these games. No, totally. It is. It is annoying. I love watching Cole, man. That guy, such a, such a baller. Probably be my number one fantasy pick next year, won't he? He won't be the number one fantasy pick, but you could argue you that he should be. Yeah, I think, well, you think Acuna or Trout will be? Man, I don't know. I think Derek Cole will be in the top of my board. It's, it, well, there'll be like six or seven hitters taken before Cole goes. Yeah, he looks like such a monster in his prime. Um, if he pitches so deep into the playoffs here, though, we'll see. Um, all right, man, you want to get to these games real quick? We'll, we'll fly through them. Yeah, let's do these games. All right, all right Thursday, off. Thursday night, uh, what the Broncos? I like this better when it's three and a half, but uh, Chiefs uh, minus three at Denver. Uh, Broncos playing so much better now. Give me the home dog in a short week yourself. Yeah, it's my best bet. Uh, I, I think we have to use it. Like, Maybe the Chiefs get it together despite not having Eric Fisher, their left tackle, and maybe they Pratt Mahomes' ankle's okay, but and the Broncos are decent. We had Rufus on this week and he was like they're actually above average and they're at home, short week, gotta take them. Yeah, I flipped on KC saying blindly take them every week, but things change, man. And I, I, I slipped on last week. I was off them. No Sammy Watkins, no Chris Jones. Uh, the Broncos have underrated position. Play. I mean, their skill position players are kind of good. Um, all right, Cardinals, your Giants, Homer. Uh, Cardinals plus three at New York, whatever. This spread is exactly what it should be. To me, I think it's more likely the Cardinals win outright than the Giants win by four. So I took the points, but whatever. This seems a stay away for me. What do you think? Yeah, it's a stay away. I took the Giants for Homer reasons, but it's 50-50. So I'm going to take the Giants. Okay. Texans plus one at the Colts. I think we're different in this because I really like the Texans in this. Um, I, I know that I guess the setup's good. The Colts are coming off a bye division game on the road, but I just think the Texans are way better. So give, give me that. What's their, one of their only losses this year is like in New Orleans on Monday night. I think they're legit. On, on a 58 so yard like, field goal with Breeze completely yeah. healthy. 58 yard yeah, field goal. They're one of my favorite bets of the week. So we're going to be different on that. So you right. Yeah. Am I right? You have the Colts on this? Yeah. I, the Colts always beat the Texans. The Colts, or as you said, they had a bye week. They're I think they get Darius Leonard back. Their defense I think these are equal teams, and, and the line's only one. I know Watson's good, but he's faced the Falcons and the Chiefs the last two weeks, so he hasn't really had a pass rush on him. And that's the problem with the Texans. They can't protect him. Colts will get a pass rush going. Uh, I like the Colts. Yeah, I don't I don't like the Colts' defense at all this year. Um, so, yeah, I feel strongly about the Texans. They're not, they're not great so, against the run, but I think they can, I think they can rush the passer a little. <laughs> The Dolphins plus 17 at the Bills. I flip-flopped on this one. And I like Fitzpatrick. That's too many points, right? Uh, I took Miami. You almost got to take Miami reflexively with these lines. These aren't real lines. These are just because everybody's like, oh, fade Miami. It's free money. That's, this is, the, Bills don't, the Bills need defensive touchdowns to cover this. I'm taking the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They um, might get one. Okay. They might get them, though, by the way. But I'm, yeah. I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah, totally. All right, so this next one, is this the only uh, majority one or consensus we had in the Epics? Vikings yeah. minus one at Lions. Are we all on Detroit? Am I right? Yeah, I hate the Lions. I made this pick them. I, I thought the Lions would be like a one or two point favorite, and I made it a pick them because I wanted to be on the Vikings. And there was minus one, and it switched me to the Lions, and I was like, damn, I have to take I, This is a consensus, uh, unanimous pick, but I, I didn't want to be on the Lions. I'm just forced to because the line is too much. I, I think the Lions look bad against the Packers. The first of all, they're short week. Secondly, they just look bad. Like they, they were great for like five minutes, eight minutes. They scored and their offense did nothing. The rest of the game, they didn't stop the run. Green Bay would have easily won if they had just not kept fumbling or had that uh, pass go off 
Darius Shepard's face mask, return 50 yards. The Lions, they got totally dominated at, at Lambeau, if you really looked at it. And then, uh, so I think the Vikings are better, but I'm, I'm on the Lions. I could also say that the Lions should have won a game in which they played their C-minus game in Lambeau, and the refs robbed them. So, I mean, I could also argue it. They should have won it, but it was, it was mostly junk and turnovers and shit. Uh, yeah, the refs definitely stole from them at the end, but. Should never and we're selling, I don't know, sell high on the Vikings here. I don't know, I do kind of like Detroit. I think they're solid. Um, next up, uh, as I said, I like the Raiders here, plus six at the Packers. The Packers, yes, their defense is good. Maybe they get Devontae Adams back, and that changes everything. But kind of like the Patriots, just unimpressed with their offenses. Uh, and I really like the Raiders to keep this game close. Yeah, I like the Packers at home, and they have a good offensive line. Their defense is good. They really need Devontae Adams. Those receivers suck. They are terrible. But Rodgers looks great. And I don't know. It's, it's probably the right line, but I made it seven. I just think the Packers at home are going to, the Raiders are, you know, surprisingly good, but they're not good. They're like eight and eight good. Yeah, coming off a bye and that well coached Gruden machine. I like, it's actually one of my favorite yeah, bets. Going to 180. Let's not, <laughs> let's not get talk crazy. Here's the no, thing. Plus six. No way the Raiders, take the Packers. Raiders are no an eight way. and eight ish team, and the Packers are like an 11 and five ish team, and the Packers are at home. So it should be at least six or seven. Yeah, maybe Terrell Williams is that. I like Jacobs in this game, actually. I don't know. I have a live dog, man. I would not use the Packers in Survivor. Def- okay, we definitely agree on that. Disagree on that one. Uh, Jaguars minus three and a half at the Bengals. I can't even remember which one I sent in with you. The three and a half, I probably took the points. Cincinnati taking the points. Huge stay away game for me here, though. Yeah, well, I, it was two and a half. I made it two and a half, but then, you know, since he lost its top two cornerbacks. So yeah. they're down two corner. I mean, two guys from the same position, and their defense was bad before that. <laughs> so this is i took the Bengals. i held my nose but i don't want to touch this no exactly okay Ooh, another game i don't want to touch either um rams minus three at falcons i really felt uh rams feeling right away and then the more i thought about it i switched here i think atlanta's only played two home games uh maybe this rams team is just might be in big big trouble i mean i don't know the the trade of peters and ramsey is he going to be ready right away the full three points I don't know if this Rams team's going to win by four in Atlanta now. I don't know, man. That's a tall task. So I took the, the home dog. I had the Falcons last week, and I watched that game, and the Falcons' defense is abominable. It is so bad. I think the Rams might suck also, but this is a get-well game for them. I took the Rams. Yeah, I'm not going to fight that one at all. Uh, two things. That Rams team is locked into some contracts now. Very interesting oh, uh, terrible uh, decisions they're making in a couple first-rounders, too. And also, my guy, Daryl Henderson, which I believe I dropped him in, in, a, in one last last week. But, wow, did he look better than Malcolm Brown. What is happening? He looked, I mean, so much better. Just, I mean, obviously, the lost fumble didn't help. But get that guy on the field and obviously own him in, in all fantasy leagues. Uh, speaking I, of that. I have him in that league that I'm 30th overall, by the way. I have him nice. devin singletary a bunch of guys are coming back yeah. oh nice devin singletary yeah this week could be good 49ers my third straight week i'm making it my best bet we haven't used him as one of our five in the previous two uh both kyle and mike shanahan were fired by washington in uh 2013 i believe dude the niners defense highest third and out percentage uh, on pace to allow the fewest passing yards since 1982 they look good so i like the niners again i took him if you want to use him we will i i didn't i thought it was a lot of points but 
I, I like to nine and a half better than 10 because I see it's fluctuated. Yeah. I know you went with 10. So that's one we could keep, you know, earmark. Yeah, it might be one, nine and a half in the super contest, by the way. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's one we have to earmark. I mean, at 10 a.m. travel, they're due for a stinker. You know what I mean? It's going to happen, like one of those games. But um, but you know what? I just like being confident about a team with a really good defense. It's just yeah. that that team I just trust more than even like elite quarterback. It's it's weird and maybe misguided, but that's what I feel. Uh, next one. This one I kind of flipped back and forth, but um, I took the Chargers. Uh, they are get, getting two at Tennessee. I feel like the Chargers are the team more, more likely to bounce back. What do you think? Yeah, I made it one and a half, so I barely took the Chargers. But yeah, uh, yeah the Titans suck. They got Tannehill. Tannehill, yeah, feel the same. Uh, Ravens plus three and a half at Seahawks. Um, I took the points here. I agree with you. The Ravens are a little overrated. I kind of think the Seahawks are a little overrated too. Don't love their defense and a team that does not put your foot on the throat. So I took the, the points more than the three. I think the Seahawks. I think they're just better than the Ravens. The Ravens suck. The Ravens got throttled by the Browns. They've been barely beating the third string quarterback Steelers. They, they just, they've been skating by like they, they beat up on the Bengals a little bit, but the Bengals suck. They just don't have anything good on their resume and their defense is weak. And the Seahawks have the better offense, better quarterback. Ravens are weak at receiver. Give me Seattle. That's fair. I would not argue that one. This one I do feel strongly about, um, man, I've been, I was on them last week or I, the saints plus three. I'd love if that was three and a half, but plus three against the bears. Uh, I don't know. I just think they're, uh, your, your theory looks good here. The quarterback, I certainly expected Bridgewater and this team to lose, probably go less than 500. Instead, they just keep winning. And I expect, I guess the bears coming off a bye at home. Don't really care. Is playing quarterback there. I, I like the saints. They think they're way better. Yeah. I made this game a pick them and they're getting three. Right. They're treating the Saints like Bridgewater's six points worse than Breeze still. And I think he's like three points worse than Breeze. Because if Breeze were playing, it would be Saints minus three. And the fact that it's plus three is too much. should be zero. So I'll use the Saints if you want. Right, cool. Uh, Eagles plus three at Dallas. That should be a fun game. A lot of injuries on the Cowboys side. They might just be a total fraud. I bought in for sure. But you look at their early season schedule, a bunch of doormats. And uh, yeah, give me the Eagles with the points here. Kind of like I think it the too. Eagles. Doug Peterson, I think, guaranteed a win. I think he said something like that, which I like. <laughs> I saw that. He backtracked a little, but yeah, I like it. And then, and then, you know, I had Stefania Bell on the show today, and I said, I don't know if you heard this, but I was like, do you think your Princeton degree is devalued because of Jason Garrett? And apparently, she, I forgot about this. I think I knew this already, but she's friends with Jason Garrett, not just because of ESPN, but she actually went to Princeton when he did. So they were like friends in when he was the quarterback there. They were like friends during college. So I was like dissing her friend to her on the air. She's pretty diplomatic about it. She just said, I can't, I'm not going to say anything negative about my friend, Jason Garrett. It's just pretty funny. You've done, you've done worse to her. I, I listened to say, I've definitely but, yeah, worse. Yeah. she's always a good sport. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't too bad. All right. Yeah. And then, uh, Pats minus nine and a half of the jets. I love the jets here. I can't believe I'm saying those. I can't believe that phrase just came out of my mouth, but I made the six and a half. I mean, Darnold Jets are like eight and eight, seven and nine. I mean, they're not like a doormat. And the Pats, I think the Pats are overrated, man. I know Ted Bell's going to have a fit when he hears this, but Pats are overrated. Their defense is really good, but their offense is just okay. And look who they've played. I mean, nobody's had a softer schedule. They played the Falk Jets. They played Miami. They played the Giants, missing like all their offensive players on a short week. They played the Redskins. And they played like the Steelers with, with Big Ben, you know, needing elbow surgery, but not telling anybody. And the Patriots have had the easiest schedule. And they had one tough game in Buffalo. And they should have lost that game. They got outplayed by Buffalo. So I'm taking the Jets. What about you? 
I don't feel as strong as you, and I worry I'm overrating just last week's performance. But yeah, and no, I'm with you on the Jets. It's a lot of points. The, Jet, the Patriots defense, thousand percent legit. Maybe they'll score again, but uh, offense definitely not not clicking on all cylinders. All right, and the Jets so are going to be so up for this game. You know what I mean? It's like they got their guy back. It's like this is such. It's like a Monday night game. It's a Super Bowl for them. The Pats will probably win it, but they'll win it nineteen to sixteen on like a fumble at the end or something. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I'm, I would I would use them if if you okay. want to do it. So you want to use the Broncos? Yes, this is our first Thursday night game. I need to know so I can turn. I think yes. I can turn it in Broncos, tonight. So okay, Broncos, Broncos, Jets. If you want to use them, if you want the Saints, I'll take them. If you want the Niners, I'll take them. Okay, yes, I'd fight for those. So yes, okay, yes. so take those two. And the other game I like, but we don't have to use it. I like the Seahawks. I think they're way better than the Ravens. I also like. I like the Rams a little bit, not a ton. And I could use the Dolphins. I mean, it's always, you always feel like an idiot when, when the doormat gets blown out. You know, it's not, I don't like using the doormats. Okay. Yeah. So we're locked in for the only one I would fight for this against you is the Texans. But um, let's look at the spreads. Let's look at the spreads. You could talk me into whatever the Rams or Seattle, if you wanted to, let's uh, we'll look at the spreads. I mean, if you but really want four. the Texans, you can have the Colts were not one of my best bets. They were just a team. Okay. That one came right, easy yeah, to me. I, I was like, Colts. Oh, well, it became easy to you then. That, that Maybe that isn't good then. Because um, yeah, I, I kind of debated the Ravens one and the Rams one, so it's not like I would fight those. But uh, definitely like, like Broncos, Jets, Saints, and, and Niners. Yeah, it's kind of fun, man, having a team to, that's good. So, it's kind of crazy uh, football. It's like, wow. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's you're used to like the last few years. It's like doesn't matter. We have all, you know, 10 games on it once. But now suddenly it's a team that I care so much to watch every play. It's uh, it's different. But uh, you, you might know that soon enough with Danny. Where do we sit with Danny Dimes these days, Liz? I think he's great. I mean, he okay. everything's accurate. You know, everything's on the money. He faced the Patriots on the road. He had a tough game against the Vikings. He had injuries to his key players. But... He's got that spark, you know, and, and so to me, it's like, okay, a guy's in bad conditions. Does he show something? If you're Josh Rosen or you're Dwayne Haskins for it's only one half for him, but you see nothing. And Danny Dimes has shown it a bunch. So to me, that's encouraging. And when the conditions get better, he gets better and the team has its players back. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. But I'm, I'm, I'm bullish. I don't feel like it's a done deal that he's going to be great, but he's got a chance, and that's really all you want. He's got a, you know, you want your guy to have a chance to be really good. If you have Kyler Murray on your team, if you're a Cardinals fan, he's got a chance to be really good. That's all you want, you know, that that chance. And I'd way rather my quarterback's problem be decisions than accuracy right now, too, because the decisions, you know, uh, that'll that'll come later. More that's what experience, experience gets you. Yeah, and then so. also. You know, maybe there was weren't great decisions to be had with the personnel he had right. and the teams he was facing. So it's not always like, yeah, he made a bad decision, but it was like three bad decisions were what were available. Yeah, you get Barkley back. Crazy watching Beckham, like you know, not so unhappy and so unsuccessful over there. I mean, Niners nearly traded for him. You just had him. It's weird what's going on with them. But uh, yeah, so the Giants are, are definitely watchable. So uh, definitely, you're in a better situation than you were the last couple of years as well. All right, off football, um, I didn't even actually watch any of the Democratic debate. Did you, uh, Ted Bell, I see his podcast as a as Ukraine podcast. I, haven't, I think it just came out. I haven't listened to that yet. But uh, did you have anything uh, you wanted to talk about political-wise? So I want to disavow Scott Adams. Like, I stopped following him a few weeks Uh-oh. ago. I, <laughs> yeah. I want to I just, like, uh, I disavow any recommendation about that dude. Uh, I thought he was insightful. He definitely predicted Trump way before anyone else did. And he had some insights into Trump that I thought were interesting and made me think. 
but that dude's handicapping in the Democratic debate is super annoying, and I just I just feel like he's he's just he's just kind of coasting off that Trump call, and it's kind of like Nuriel Rabini like called like the cry the the uh, stock market crash. But now he's like ranting about how bad he's been ranting how bad Bitcoin was since it was like a hundred, and now it's at eight thousand, and he's still rant. You know, it's like you you know you get one thing right, and everybody thinks you're a genius. So I kind of disavow that dude. I, I think he's kind of a douche and uh, don't agree with. What's, a it, lot what's of his he saying? What is he handicapping? Well, what is it was it? just what's you know he was, he just got all this you know he's such an expert in persuasion apparently, and so he picked Kamala Harris a long time ago, and she's been kind of a dud. And he's like trying to prop her up. And it's kind of like, dude, just because you predicted it, don't like root for it. It it seems a little bit like, it'd be like if I bet someone that was a questionable character to win. And then I started like, you know, advocating for them to win because I bet on it or because I had predicted it. And then two, somebody had asked him about Tulsi Gabbard and he was like, no, I don't want to even talk about her. She has no chance. I don't want to talk about her. But I was thinking... That was what people are saying about Trump, and you were the guy who thought Trump was going to win correctly. And and I always and this is sort of the same um, reaction. I had I had a reaction to this guy Ben Hunt, who I've quoted a couple of times because he said some interesting stuff. But he was on this Bitcoin podcast, and he was basically saying how it was never going to happen. They would ghettoize it like they've ghettoized gold, meaning like yeah, gold like has value, but like nobody, it's not like important. Like there's always those gold bugs who are like, oh, you got to buy gold. Everything's crashing. And how it would never take over or never be. And I was thinking, it's not they, the they out there ghettoizing it. It's you. You're the one doing this. You're saying, I don't want to, I don't believe in it. He says all the things like the Fed is spending too much money and we've got this going to have inflation and it's going to be a problem. But instead of the obvious being like, oh, well, this is, this solves it. He's like, no, they're going to ghettoize it. No, you're ghettoizing it. Whether or not it takes over and it may or may not, nobody knows, depends on whether we adopt it. We people adopt it. And he's a person. But to say, oh, they're not going to go for it, so I don't want to go for it. No, it's up to people like you, like him. And I feel it's the same thing with like Tulsi Gabbard or even Trump back in the day. Like The reason Trump won is because people voted for him. People elected him. You know, it's, it's like to say, oh, that will never happen. Oh, I, this is the person I would agree. And I'm saying he agrees with her. But I'm saying if you agree with a candidate, but you're like, ah, but they'll never win. Well, that's, you're the reason they'll never win because everybody who, you know, it's sort of, it's this guy, Ben Honey, has a good quote on this. He says like, there's the common knowledge thing, which isn't what you know or or what someone else knows, but it's what everybody knows that everybody knows. It's like the thing that we all assume is true. So people assume that everybody knows that Tulsi Gabbard's not going to elect it. It's going to be, it's not going to be Biden, but it's going to be Warren or it's going to be neolibs like, you know, Buttigieg or or Kamala Harris, or somebody that's, quote, electable. But that common knowledge thing is a real problem because it's like that, on, that common knowledge only exists because we believe it, because we're not doing differently. And, and you see the fallacy of it. Like when Trump gets elected, everyone's, the common knowledge was that Trump could never be elected until he was. Anyway, I'm rambling a bit, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is he's sort of, he got one thing right, and now he's part of the fallacy, and he's doing the same thing that the people who were wrong with respect to him, we're doing when he said Trump was going to win in 2015. All right, a couple follow-ups. Does Nate Silver fall into that category of got one thing totally right and has been, you know, does he fall under that category? I don't follow what he's done. I know he has not been nearly successful since he went nuts on that Obama one, whatever, how many years ago that was. Yeah, like 2008, he was really successful in predicting all the states. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know if he's legit or not. I mean, he, he definitely had a method that was successful 
And then he got into this thing with Nassim Taleb. But I, I, I normally I side with Taleb because I just I like him. But I don't uh-huh. honestly have the math chops to entirely <laughs> evaluate the uh, who was right. I, I remember thinking, oh, I understand. I get what he's trying to say, what Taleb was trying to say. But honestly, I, I'm not a good arbiter of, of that debate. Taleb called him like a simple or something, basically? Yeah, like his method was – I'm sure if I read it, I could maybe pick up some of it. But I, honestly, I, I, I could be wrong, and I, I don't want to opine on something that I'm like totally out of my depth on. All right. The other thing I want to ask you, and you just you said you led with it or led into it, saying that you, it sounds like you still are saying that Biden is not going to be the candidate. How I no. understand it is that Trump. You tell me what's wrong about this. Is it basically you know Trump's going to win the popular vote and the economy and all that? Uh, and the one concern he would should have is uh, basically four or five swing states, and Biden has the best chance of of winning those said swing states. I don't buy the premise. I just think Biden's dead in the water. Like he's a scandal ridden idiot who's been on the wrong side of everything. And he'd be the easiest guy for Trump to crush because he doesn't even have any appeal. Like he's not like anything new. He's just another old corrupt white guy that <laughs> well, I, I just thought it's like, he's got all of Trump's negatives and like none of the positives. He was like touching all those girls, like all that shit. Like I, just, I know, and he never even. I never see any positives after these debates. No, I don't see anyone talk that no. they like him. It's weird. No, the only it's weird. No, here, here's what's going on. Okay, here's, here's the thing about Biden. I, I don't even think Biden was molesting them. He just was a weird. He has weird physical boundaries and was doing weird yes. stuff. I mean, that. I mean, that's what I think. It could be worse. But the thing about Biden is he was Obama is still popular among Democratic voters, and. For better or worse, he is. It's just a fact. And Biden was his VP. So Biden is, and and everyone knows who Biden is because he was Obama's VP for eight years. So so Biden is just like generally well-liked. So when they poll, these polling things are so dumb this early, and the random person picks up the phone who doesn't know shit about politics, has other problems to deal with, and they're like, you know, who do you like? And oh yeah, Biden, Biden. Because they're basically saying Obama. So he polls well early on. And so people donate because they know he'll just do the bidding of everybody that, you know, all the banks and all the defense contractors and like Biden is easy money. He's like, of course, he'll do what he's told. Obama did what did their bidding. Of course, Biden's going to do their bidding. He always has. So, I mean, that, that is just like an illusion of the polling. But like when people become more aware, no way that dude wins. No chance. Interesting. All right. You're going against the odds now. now Pete, Pete Buttigieg to me is the sleeper. I think he's whack. I do not like that dude at all. But I think what happens is I think they're souring on Warren. Warren isn't very charismatic. She's smart, but she's not charismatic. And I think they're going to real. And she's also is anti Wall Street, and the Wall Street people don't like that. And so I think they're going to try to co opt her, and they may succeed, but they may not. And Bernie, I, I I love Bernie. I think he's like a good guy, but I think like I don't know if he can. I, I think he could win if he were faced off against Trump, but I don't think they're going to let him win. So the donors are going to be like, eh, Warren's not really, I don't think she can win, and I don't, you know, we don't like her policies. So they're going to try to find someone else. And this is either going to be Kamala Harris, who is just like, whack. She's done things. Like, she's just not, she put people in jail for weed. She put people in jail for truancy, not sending their kids to school. They actually, actually jailed people. And then you got Buttigieg, who's just this, says all the right things. He's very, like, poised when he talks. I think they're like, this guy's an unknown. We'll be able to sell him to the progressive voters who won't be able to tolerate Kamala Harris and what she's done. And he'll be able to carry the water for all the banks and the 
military industrial complex. So they're going to want him once, once Biden turns out to be a, just a non-starter, they're going to, I bet they're going to coalesce. The money's going to coalesce around mayor mm-hmm. Pete and it's going to be him or Harris, hopefully not Harris, but he's bad too versus like either Bernie or Warren or Yang or Tulsi, if we're lucky, but they're going to do everything in their power. People like Scott Adams and them to ghettoize them, make them, mm-hmm. you know, not real, not even to make you think that it's so unrealistic that you don't even bother to support them. Right. Well, good to see Bernie healthy after that heart attack. Um, and I, I heard somewhere that like Elizabeth Warren was caught trying to say, I guess she lost her job because she got pregnant back in the day. And it turned out to be like not even true or something, but interesting about Biden, I guess I, I'm not surprised that you're, you're, you're sticking to it. So, uh, wow. You think he's we'll going to win? You think he has a shot? I don't know. I, I just look at the odds and he's just favored. So if I'm you want to make I'm a bet, like, if you want to make a bet, and no, I don't, I don't I hope you win. Bet, bet, bet Buttigieg. Bet that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably like the best like odds based bet. Yeah. Oh, I thought that a while ago. Yeah, no, he's definitely moving up and up for sure. What else? So other random things. Uh, I recommend people, I think it was your Twitter feed that linked to, uh, to the PG and E was that you or not? Uh, I'm not sure, but with the, with the PG and E outage stuff, there was someone, uh, linked to, uh, maybe it wasn't you, but, um, anyway, there was a good, uh, all the PG and E going out. Do you see that all the California losing all the yeah. power what's going on in there? And, and that's pretty wild situation. Luckily I haven't had to personally deal with that, but, uh, maybe it wasn't your Twitter feed. So my bad, if, if not that, but, um, succession finale was excellent. El oh, it was me. It was, it was Pat Thorman and he tweeted like civilization hangs by a thin thread. I think I might've retweeted it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought it was from, but that's another, people were talking about that as like an over centralized thing. Like, one for-profit company controls the power and if they're worried about liability yeah, they shut it off wild. like you you're know. just the mercy of them like the fuck it's like this over centralization of stuff is is a real problem like that really like just one corrupt company is going to control everything it's, it's it's no joke it's absolutely not a joke i, I checked that out um Succession season finale, really good. Season two, better. Really good. Season one and uh, uh, you, and El Camino, I thought was really good. I may be unnecessary and uh, you know not a ton happens, but super entertaining. And man, I just love the way he tells stories. So I like both those. Did you, did you check either of those out? Yeah, I, I saw the end of Succession. I thought it was great. Obviously, no spoilers. We're gonna, yeah, not going to give any spoilers so of it, but it was uh, it was pretty badass. Yeah. And then uh, El Camino was. Uh, it was good. You know what? It wasn't great. It was good, but it was just good to be back in that world for another couple hours. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm back in this world and better call Saul was good. And you're in the world a bit, but you are in the world, I guess, in better call Saul too. It's just that I miss that world. I don't know why it's a dark, horrible place, but I, I just like the world of breaking bad. For sure. No, 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 definitely. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's about it. Then I see the Irishman has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes. So, you know, a Scorsese with all those old school guys movie. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty excited for that one to come out in a couple weeks. Uh, that's pretty much all I have for you this week list. Uh, you have anything else? I had a bunch of other shit and I totally forgot. I was like, Oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. And then I just can't remember it right now, but it's all right. We've done an hour. I can save it for another, another podcast. All right, man. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll solidify the five soon though. Like to, they, these odds come out soon because we got to get them in for the uh, Thursday night game. But, yeah, so uh, I like, just, I like let's the just recap. Let's just recap just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Broncos jets. We're also taking the Niners and we're also taking the, Saints. the fourth one and the saints. Those are saints. definites. Yeah. 
and possibilities yeah. are Texans and Seahawks. Yep. Yep. Texans and Seahawks are the two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You said Rams too. We'll see the spread. And, and I would maybe do the Rams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. All right, man. All right. Good stuff. Later. Take it easy. All right, later, Liz. Later.